You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, episode number 194. Filmmaking is the answer. Who cares about the question? Anonymous. Broadcasting from a dark, windowless room in Hollywood, when we really should be working on that next draft. It's the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast, showing you the craft and business of screenwriting while teaching you how to make your screenplay bulletproof. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Now, today's show is sponsored by Bulletproof Script Coverage. Now, unlike other script coverage services, Bulletproof Script Coverage actually focuses on the kind of project you are and the goals of the project you are. So we actually break it down by three categories, micro-budget, indie film market, and studio film. There's no reason to get coverage from a reader that's used to reading tentpole movies when your movie's going to be done for $100,000. And we wanted to focus on that at Bulletproof Script Coverage. Our readers have worked with Marvel Studios, CAA, WME, NBC, HBO, Disney, Scott Free, Warner Brothers, The Blacklist, and many, many more. So if you need your screenplay or TV script covered by professional readers, head on over to CoverMyScreenplay.com. Now, today on the show, guys, we have a a very entertaining episode. We have on the show the film directing team, The Daniels, the masterminds behind the indie classic Swiss Army Man, and the new classic independent film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Now, I had the pleasure of watching this film, and I have to tell you, it is one of the most insane films I have ever seen in my life, and I say that with all my love, because it is amazing. Absolutely love the film. And the Daniels have been responsible for not only two amazing independent films, but their music video work, like Bring Down the What and and so many others, have been really some of the best music videos of the past decade. And I sat down with the Daniels and we talked shop about how they got started, how they jumped from music videos to feature films, how in God's green earth do they get financing for these films, which on paper makes no sense why anybody would, but they do it, and I'm so glad they do because their films are fantastic. And this is by far one of the more entertaining conversations I've had on the show for a while. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with The Daniels. I'd like to welcome to the show The Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinhart. How you doing, guys? Good. Thank you for having us. Pretty good. Hello. Hey, good. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. I am I am a fan of what you guys do. You guys are insane and I love that about you. It's 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 such a wonderful thing to see the work that you guys have been doing over the years that uh, the only word I can use is insane, but in the <laughs> one the most wonderful way humanly possible. So when you guys got into the feature game, I was so excited uh, to oh, see wow. like Swiss Thank Army you. Man. Uh, Miranda Bailey was just Thank on you. the show a few weeks ago. Oh, cool. So, yeah. And she was like telling me the whole story about Swiss Army Man. I'm like, how the hell? What the hell? How is that? How did that get financed? What <laughs> happened? It's yeah, just it's like, it's it's her fault exactly she yeah. told me the whole she told me the whole story and is it, it was fascinating but before we go down that road how did you and why did you guys want to get into this insanity that is the film industry mm. Mm. uh my i just did whatever my brother did 
as a kid. Uh, so like he did like math team. So I did math team and then like he and his friends started making movies. And so I started making movies uh, right. with, with my friends in high school, but, but there's, that's a very different thing than the industry, you know? And uh, it's interesting. Like I did a lot of theater as a kid. And then the older I got the more, I was like, Oh, I don't actually want to be an actor. That industry seems not, for me, you know, and, and the film industry is, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of warts, there's a lot of problems and things, but like, you get to like, especially as a writer and director on your own terms, collaborate with friends and tell stories, you know, like, uh, it was the funnest thing I'd ever done. I was, I just got hooked and, uh, and we're so lucky that our careers, we, we still get to do it in a way that's pretty similar, you know? Mm -hmm. To like the the high school college version of making movies with your friends. Oh, there's no you know? no no question. <laughs> yeah, um, for for me, I um, I'm like the in, in the hero's journey. They talk about the refusal to the call. You know, you you run away from the thing, and mm. I, I feel like I, I've been running away from your from, biopics. Can be more interesting than mine. I guess so. Yeah, because yeah. because I get yeah because yeah. you refuse the call. Exactly, the setup is so much better. Mm. Um, but I. <clears throat> I grew up really disempowered for some reason, and I don't know where it, it comes from. Like, I did not believe in myself. I didn't believe that I had worth. And and yet people would tell me like, oh, you're pretty good at this or you're pretty good at that. And I wouldn't believe it. And I just kind of run away from all of it, especially coming from my mother. You know, my mother would be like, you're a good storyteller. Why don't you write some more? And I was like, no, mom, you don't. That's like, that's stupid. That's a waste of time. That's not going to help me get into college. You know, I was a very nervous person uh, had a lot of anxiety and so everything was about what was the most practical route forward and I was miserable because of it because I wasn't how I, I, I my brain you know wasn't built for practical it was built for you know wild insane <laughs> storytelling and uh, <clears throat> apparently my mom when I was younger um, met a Christian like a fundamentalist Christian um, fortune teller, um, for lack of a better word. And she saw me, apparently, this, this, um, this soothsayer. And See, great bio. Exactly. It's oh, so man. wild. It's, it's so just wild. fascinating. It's just fascinating. I, no fair. But she, she, she said to my mom, your son, I was in like uh, third grade. And she's like, your son is going to be a great storyteller one day, maybe even a filmmaker. And he's going to spread the word of God. <laughs> and, uh, my mom never told me this story until much later, until like I'm as an adult, she's told me now, but now I understand why she was pushing me to go to film school, which is so funny. Anyone who is a Asian American kid who is the kid of like the, the son or daughter of immigrants will understand how profoundly strange that is to have a, yeah, to have a Chinese mother say, son, don't go to business school, like go to want, film, school. go to film mm -hmm. school. And so I, I did what, um, you know, all children do and uh, i ignored my mom and i went to business school <laughs> so again I, I was like fuck that i don't want to do that uh, uh, sorry i don't know if we're allowed to swear on this um that's but fine it's fine fart that fart that mm -hmm. um i don't want to go I, I don't want to risk my my life i don't want to be a miserable starving artist i'm gonna go to business school and i was miserable i was i was i hated every minute of of that experience and i was like well maybe I should go to film school. <laughs> maybe I should try this out. And, and, and so and it's even when I went to film school, I didn't want to be a director. Cause I looked around and I was like, 
I'm not a director. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to uh, command a hundred people in a crew. And so I, I was like, I'm going to become an animator. I'm going to learn how to animate and just make things on my computer by myself. And that's where I met this guy. Mm-hmm. And, and this, the experience of meeting Daniel Shiner has been one in which every single time I feel like I don't belong in this industry, kind of like going back to your question of like, how do we get into this crazy industry? Um, anytime either of us felt like we didn't belong or the way that we worked and processed um, our arts felt incongruous with, with how the industry worked. Um, Shiner being such a um, contrarian would be like, so what, let's do it anyways. And I think it was one of the biggest, most um, satisfying lessons I've learned over and over again with every project is like, Oh, the way things are, aren't, aren't exactly how they have to be. And in fact, we can find better ways to suit ourselves. And I think if more film students learn that, like that they can build a film process suited to their specific style, just like every painter has a different process, every poet has a different process. Like growing up, you you, you learned about all the auteurs in film school um, and I didn't see myself in any of their work, you know? And so, um, oh, sorry, yeah, we have a... Uh, it's all good. It's all good. We have a dog in the background. Um, it's all, it, it happens. It's all good. And so anyways, yeah, it was it was a series of accidents. And we have slowly built a career around this project of trying to figure out how can we be ambitious um, filmmakers who make great work that we're proud of while still staying grounded and human and not not be assholes. I think that's one of the things that um, for some reason, our industry has really built up is this idea that like, in order to make great stuff, you have to be a a, a, a really mean per- person. Mm-hmm. But um, in order to have a good biopic, I think we might have to turn, yes. me, turn me into the villain for the second half of yeah. our careers. And I'll, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll be like the manager of Brian Wilson. Or, or, yeah, that sounds good. You know, <laughs> from Love and Mercy. I'll yeah. be Paul Giamatti, like taking advantage of you. <laughs> You know, like you should take more drugs, more oh, yeah. ADHD drugs, Dan. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That helps you. That helps. That helps right. with your creative process. Absolutely. Right. No, it would, be, it would be the equivalent of my Cuban parents going, "Go be a filmmaker." Yeah, go ahead. Because when I told right. when I when I told my parents I wanted to be a filmmaker, my mom's like, "Okay, let's do it." And my dad's like, "What? What? What do you? What? Yeah. What is that? What is that?" I'm like, "I could be a PA. I can make a hundred dollars a day." That was that was my pitch to him to be in the I film love industry. it. It's so practical. Yeah. It's, like, it's wow. you know how to appeal to a, an immigrant father. I can make a hundred bucks a day, Dad. Come on, hundred dollars <laughs> cash a day. That was as far as my vision of my career had gone. From I that love point. it. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Now you guys, you guys obviously got uh, got started with shorts and and uh, and then made a, made your bones in music videos. Uh, by the way, some of the music videos, some of the most interesting music videos of the last decade have been directed by you guys. Um, you. And I'm not just smoking, uh, you know, smoking, smoking, smoking our butt. Is that the phrase? <laughs> like, I'm not smoking your butt, blowing smoke up your butts. Because I came up, like I came up in the '90s with Fincher and and mm. Romanek and all these amazing uh, film. So I love music videos, especially. Yeah. In the '90s, late '80s, early '90s is when the form really took, took you know, they took it to other places. Oh, so when right. I saw what you like, you know, turned down the what, I was just like, "What is this? <laughs> this is, I mean, just the clocking of the gun cocking as she sits on his face is a level of brilliance I have not seen quite, quite, very often in music videos. So thank you, sirs. Thank you. Um, that, was our, that was our creative peak. Yeah, was, that, 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 a, that sound effect was our that sound effect. <laughs> Sit on your butt. Face. It yeah. was just such a 
beautiful thing. It's such a small thing. And only I like everybody else might've seen other things, but when I saw that, I'm like, they're filmmakers. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and that is to our audience. That's where the metaphor or the, the, mm. the term smoking your ass came from. Right. Yeah. So, so you guys did some amazing work in, in music videos. What lessons did you bring from your music videos experiences into the future world, which are obviously mm-hmm. two different though. I could argue to say that Swiss army man and, and your current film, both are just really long music videos in the sense yeah. of the visuals are just insane. And, and the like the fact that like there's music nonstop. Like <laughs> we, we rely on music yeah. a lot in our work. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, we learned a ton. Uh, obviously, like some, some uh, incredible music video directors do kind of like non-narrative aesthetic tone poems. And we always did like short films we always like tricked a band into paying for our short films you know like they were very narratively driven so we we kind of were honing our voice as writers uh while doing music videos and and that made the transition a little like more uh organic i guess you know because we were like oh we're um our, you know, a lot, a lot of videos have like a beginning, middle, and end. Turned out for what doesn't have much character development, but you know, there's a little bit of a no, linear I'd, I'd story. Argue, you know, I'd argue to say there's a lot of character development. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. so much. Don't you see the world right bends around the protagonist. The protagonist right. stays is the constant, and the mm-hmm. world is what you don't turn down. Everyone exactly. else turns up. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But to, to piggyback on what he's saying, like. Um, we didn't think of ourselves as writers. Like I did again, I didn't even think of myself as a director at the time we first got hired for the first or a dancer. Or a dancer. Yeah, there's so many yeah. things that I we did not consider. He's the star of be. Turned Down for What? That's him. Yes. Yeah. In case you didn't know. It's, it's um fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, thank you. But but so we we treated every project um as as film school in some ways to be like, hey, we've never worked with a DP before. What's that like? Let's let's bring a DP on for this one. Mm-hmm. Or oh, you know, what is what is a production design team supposed to be? Um, and what's that what's that relationship supposed to be like? Let's mm-hmm. let's bring on a production designer. And every project we just built our, our family out and started adding more and more people and learning new skills. Um, you know, we were like, I've always wanted to play with motion control um, camera uh, rigs. And so we did that for um, a battles music video. Um, we've always wanted to do. We started stunts. out doing a lot more like visual effects. Yeah. And then we slowly learned more and more practical effects gags. Yeah. Like, uh, like oh, that's so much more fun when you can actually like mm-hmm. blow up an air mortar, have a breakaway prop. Right. Um, and then like we wanted to play more with stunts and just see what that was like. So we did a Foster People video about a car chase uh, and we learned that we hate shooting car chases, you know. And so every every project was was like a selfish um way for us to learn something new and then by the time we were ready to do features like we had accrued a team with a very specific um skill set that you know really supported our process and mm-hmm. we felt like we were ready the only thing that was really hard I th- i'd say the hardest part of the transition was the um time frames of of music videos versus features you know music videos you you prep pitch write shoot edit and release within a month uh, with features, it you know it takes you a year just to write like the first draft sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and that was a that was a real struggle to like slow down and step back and say no to everything and, and basically turn off the the faucet that we had um, of of work coming in um, because we were at the peak of our of our music video careers and we had to step away from that and say you know what I've always we've always wanted to be filmmakers who did 
features and narrative. And um, that was probably the hardest part. And, and I see a lot of uh, contemporaries um, who are in the music industry who never did that, never had the, um, I don't want to say discipline or self-control. It's, it's more just we had each other to keep each other accountable. So we, right. we were the ones who were able to say, hey, should we pull back? And we had someone to, who, would, who basically um, was there to keep us accountable and not get tempted to get pulled back into mm-hmm. the whirlwind that is music video. And we got yeah. lucky. You know, we know friends that do turn off the faucet and write a screenplay and can't get it made. Yes, it's, um, it's hard. It's, a, it's, it's hard a weird there. world, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we learned a lot. We still use all the same tricks and work with all the same crew. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is once you once you find people that you can work with, you hold on to them for your life because it's yes. you know it's, it, there's a comfort level there. You could you could just look at them and they know exactly what you want. Or they they know what you want before you know what you want. Yes. So like you walk yes. in, you're like perfect. Yes. This right. is exactly the aesthetic I want. Yeah. Hot but now dog, that we're famous, hot dog we're gonna, fingers. Now <laughs> we're now we're gonna like uh, quit working with them. All those losers. obviously, right? Yeah. That obviously, yeah. obviously, that's what you do. You let you leave them alone, and you go. You get mm-hmm. high Oscar winners. Just high Oscar winners all yes. around. Yes, this is the uh, this is the industry way. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Now I so you guys have done some insane projects. What is your writing process like? Were you two working together? Because I write, but I write by alone. I've never written with somebody else. So mm-hmm. how do you guys go back and forth with the writing process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a real. That was a real learning. Pro- like that was that was a lot of growing pains in that like leap from music videos to to screenwriting because neither of us thought of ourselves as writers. Um, but when you're a music video director, you're constantly having to write new ideas. And so our process for music videos was actually pretty organically formed from the fact that we just had to be constantly pitching. Like we we put out two or three pitches a week to different songs, and we get rejected ninety percent of the time. But that really like ex- like exercised a part of our our collective um, muscles where we were basically throwing ideas back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until someone laughed or someone gasped or someone emoted. And they were like, okay, what is that? Why? What, like, let's, let's latch onto that. And then we would start to throw ideas back and forth until they became these snowballs that kind of kept attaching more and more um, conceptual ideas, narrative ideas, um, uh, visual ideas. And, and, and like, we would start putting on different uh, visual references that we'd pull up from YouTube or Vimeo, and we would never write anything down. It would all just be in our heads and just be ping-ponging back and forth for a couple of weeks, you know, without writing anything down, just seeing what stuck. And then finally, when it came time to pitch, we just write it all down and send it out, um, which is great for music videos because you have to have that speed. Once we transitioned to features, that became really hard to do, to, to ping-pong the feature back and forth without <laughs> writing it down, without, you know... Um, so what is our process now? I feel like it keeps changing. I feel like it changes on every project. And that, yeah. and that might be the lesson, you know, is that like we're constantly, it's almost like a weird therapy exercise. Uh, and if you do the exact same thing each time, you're not going to like make discoveries. You're just going to like kind of create, figure out a pattern of how to make a similar, but not as good mm-hmm. thing because it's not as uh, like authentic and heartfelt. And, but we still uh, bounce ideas off each other a lot. Um, we spend a lot of time apart and we're each other's biggest fan and also like biggest like critic uh, because we've built kind of a common vocabulary and a trust of each other's thoughts. So it's a lot of like time apart and coming back and being like, I have this thought. It really resonates with me. Um, I, I do. I write very poorly by myself. And so like 
sometimes I'm hungry to be like, Dan, hang out with me. I want to throw ideas out. Uh, <laughs> right, sometimes Daniel, Daniel Shiner comes from like an improv background. So everything about that world is about I'm interactions like and collaborative. And yeah. I'm, I'm sort sure. of an extrovert who feeds off other people's energy. And then Quan is like introvert, extrovert. And so like every once in a while, he just disappears. And is like, nope, leave me alone. I'm, I'm writing, you know, and he'll come back with like really great stuff. But sometimes, you know, the great stuff is uh, five times longer than we agreed it was going to be. And, and then <laughs> we're back to the drawing time, board man. of like, yeah. how do we, do we keep it all? Which parts do we keep, you know? Yeah. And then it's an editing process and the first, it's just a lot of the, trial and error. Yeah. So with our first draft for everything everywhere, um, we. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show spent a long time outlining together, throwing things back and forth the ways that we um, have been talking about. And then Shannon went off to do um, his other movie, Death of Dick Long. Which and is then, not a porn. Yeah, not a porn. It's a <laughs> respectable, great, um, great name dance movie. Porn, exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. misleading. I understand. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, I wrote the first draft while he was gone shooting that movie and it came back and it was like 240 pages. You know, so it's, it's I, I'm definitely... Um, I have ADHD, I, I realized um, while writing this movie. And, and I think because of that, I'm definitely very generative. I, I'm just constantly writing, constantly. I have notebooks that are always open. I have like five different, I, I, I write stuff on my phone, on my notebook, on my laptop, on my, you know, I just need to be writing constantly on, on things. Otherwise, um, my brain will explode. I just need to like let them out. And so I, I, I hand a lot of that over to Shiner and then Shiner just like points at things that are working and points at and like tries to f- help form it into something that like makes um, both of us excited. Um, so it's, it's so far it's, it's been um, or like scares the producers less. Right. Exactly. That's also, or that's like, also true. Uh, like I'm, I'm very ambitious and Shiner <laughs> is very practical minded. And so I think the, uh-huh. the combination of our brains has been very, um, has been very good. You yeah. know, it's just, it's so funny when I had Miranda on the show and everyone listening, you got to listen to Miranda, the producer of Swiss Iron Man, uh, the stories that about how that movie got made. Cause I was fascinated. I'm like, how in God's green earth did anybody put money up for this film? Like in what world does this movie exist? Apparently yeah. this, yeah. this, in this universe, it exists and others, it might not, but in this universe mm-hmm. it exists. <laughs> and I, and she said that she said like, she talked to, I think somebody in her company and they like, she read, they're like, we're not going to make this right. We're not going to make <laughs> the movie about the farting with the dick and the, the dead are you really and like, she's like no we're we're really gonna make you gotta you guys gotta listen to that interview it's fantastic cool. it's so yeah. fantastic so no, i remember did, that pitch yeah yeah no you know, yeah it was like how did you how did you come up with the idea it's it's such a insane idea mm-hmm. how did you come up with it and how in god's green earth do you pitch that in a room mm. <laughs> which one swiss army man yeah, yeah swiss army man yeah uh the idea started uh we're, we're the, the same way like all our music videos started it was kind of like an an image or a gag or a little scene that like made us laugh and it was just the opening scene of a guy initially the idea was like feeding a corpse beans um like it's fuel uh and then writing its farts off a deserted island to freedom but um, it was like very beautiful and like it was very it's amazing yeah and, 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 and we were like that would be a funny like the the music that I was, I was right yeah the music I was listening to was um, Ben Zeitlin you know who did Beasts of the Southern Wild his mm-hmm. short film that he did before that um, was called Glory at Sea I don't know if you guys have seen it but it, it's fantastic it's the best um, ambitious indie film 
um, made on with no money. And it, it, like, it was, it was such an aspirational thing for us to watch in college, but the score is incredible. And Ben, you know, um, worked on the score, but I was listening to that score while we were on an airplane and um, just imagining the beauty and the catharsis of a man riding off on a farting corpse was like making me laugh. Um, but I, I will say that like, a lot of our stuff, as wild as it is, comes from a very practical place because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you mentioned in the 90s, the great music videos like Fincher and Romanek and Spike Jones and Michelle Gondry. Mm-hmm. No, they had big budgets, you know, $500,000, oh, millions, dollars, $10 million, dollars, you know, millions. When we were, when we, by the time uh, we got into the music video industry, you know, Napster and streaming had um, decimated the industry so that, you know, we were working with $10,000, you know, you know, mm-hmm. most of the time, $10,000, $20,000, whatever. So we got to, we, we got stuck in this really um, interesting mode of, of filmmaking, which was very practical and, and based off of problem solving. So like we happened to be flying to Alabama to visit his family and do sort of a mini writer's retreat for another uh, movie we thought we were going to write. And um, we were asking ourselves, what resources do we have there? Because um, well, we should shoot something while we're there. That'd be fun. And they live on a lake in Alabama and yeah. their neighbors had a boat. And so we were like, maybe we could do a weird gag with a boat. And I was like, okay, there's two of us. So, okay, so a, a short little thing with two people on the water. What could that be? And, and, and that's where this idea came from. And I think like a lot of our work is kind of um, coming from very practical, um, like uh, problem solving. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, yeah, so that's where it came from. I pitched it to him. And Shiner was like, that's amazing. We have to make it. And I immediately regretted pitching it to him because I was like, I don't want to make that though. You know, like I don't want to show that to my parents. Exactly. The so. person, the person at Miranda's company who said, We're not really going to make that. It's like, oh yeah, that's that was what I was saying too. It's not, yeah, they weren't they weren't crazy for, for thinking that. Um <laughs> and then it just the idea just kept growing. It, it really was like a cancer in my brain and, and our both our, our collective brains. It just mm-hmm. kept growing and more ideas kept latching onto it. And then it became a long short film about like the amnesia, the like the amnesia corpse trying to figure out what happened to it and learn about life. And then that short film got bigger and bigger. And we were like, maybe it's a feature that would be hilarious. Like, and almost as like a joke, we started fleshing out the feature and then. Well, actually, no, as a joke, we pitched it to a, in a general meeting, we were actually speaking of industry. Uh, so we were getting, we were getting passed around uh, Hollywood doing general meetings and we kept pitching our joke ideas because we didn't have any ideas that we thought would appeal to most studio heads or to any producers. And one day we decided to pitch this movie to a producer almost as a joke. And he leaned forward. And he was forward. like, do you really want to make that? Yeah. And we were like, yeah. And he's like, why haven't you written it? And, he's, and we were like, oh, because we don't think it would get made. And he was like, you if you believe in it, you should make that. No one else, no one else is ever going to make that movie. <laughs> and like, this is not true. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. a, it was a good kick in the ass. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was uh, Lawrence Ingley. One of the producers on our, our on that film was mm-hmm. the one who, who kind of like to Miranda. Yeah. He kind of like pressed the button to, to turn, turn that part of our brain on and say, go do it. Why not? Um, yeah. But I have, to, but I have to ask, like, you guys did some pitches, right? So did you, what were some reactions from the pitches? Like, I got to believe yeah. that somebody's like, I could just see the, 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 the pale white skin yeah. of a, of somebody like just all the, all the blood flip coming out of their bodies. Like you guys are, yeah. like, you're not serious. Are you? you this is a like, joke. <laughs> we, we're pretty good at pitching our ideas because we're also like self-deprecating at, and like totally ready for the crit- the criticism you know right, to a certain right, degree and like right. and and sort of have the attitude of like uh 
you know, if, if you don't get it, it's not for you. Don't, please don't, please don't give us money. Like I don't want <laughs> you, what a great pitch. <laughs> uh, you know, regretting this or, you know, just every draft and every screening, like not getting it. Uh, but, but it was hard. Yeah. Um, and it took like someone with a weird sense of humor, like Miranda, like, um, to say yes, that got the ball rolling. And then, uh, I will say something we discovered later that really helped was uh, we we got the band Manchester Orchestra, uh, Robert and Andy, to start making some songs for us when we were d- developing it before it was even officially greenlit. Uh, and then we started pitching it with music and we were able to pitch the opening scene and press play and just start describing it as you heard this like gorgeous music and it was such a different feeling in the room where like people were suddenly like what the hell's going on this music is making me emotional and it's so beautiful and what you're describing is profane and stupid and should not i should not give you money we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor And now back to the show. Right. But I think it helped. That really helped crack the pitch in that case, just to be able to like, you know, play music, um, which is something we still do sometimes. But. Yeah. The, the other two things that really helped us was the fact that um, two things happened while we were in the middle of trying to get funding and trying to get actors. The first thing that happened was we somehow got into the Sundance Institute, like the Sundance Screenwriters Lab for this mm-hmm. screenplay. And we were like, what? What? <laughs> what are they, like, who at the Sundance, like, you know, right. you think about Sundance, you think about uh, so many other movies and not Swiss Army Man. That's not what you think about when you think about Sundance. But, you know, to their credit, they, they saw something really earnest in our work and they saw our past work and saw that we were trying new things. And, you know, what is Sundance, if not a place to uh, foster new voices? And so they brought us in and it was incredibly um, creatively just um, exactly what we needed at that point in our careers, um, regardless of, of whether or not the movie was going to get made. It was so healing. And it also showed us that there was a place for us in this industry in the way that we were talking about at the beginning, where we were talking mm-hmm. about maybe we don't belong here. It's like, oh, the Sundance Institute was one of the first places that we went to. We're like, oh, this beautiful, creative um, environment can exist and it does exist and, and we should be chasing after this. And so that was really great, but we got the, the stamp of approval from Sundance, which made suddenly our farting corpse movie, people had to like really lean forward and, and, and process. Right. And then and they'd be like, Robert Redford said this, so this is a good movie. Exactly. Yeah. Robert Redford's stamp of approval. And then <laughs> oddly enough, while we were at the Sundance labs, we were so fed up with, um, how intellectual we had become we had been talking way too much about um themes and characters and and all this stuff that um is really important but after a while as filmmakers who want to be on set who want to be making things and 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 really expressing things that you can't even put into words it was very frustrating and we happened to get a song in from columbia records from one of our 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 commissioner buddies brian younce who um who works at columbia he sent it over and it was turned down for what and he was like what do you guys want to do with the song? It's kind of a wild song. And so we were like, this is perfect. Let's turn off our brains and let's do the opposite of what we'd be doing. No theme, no character, no, just like pure id. Let's create something so wild and so frenetic and beautiful and strange. Um, And then basically we'll, we'll, we'll basically we'll hold nothing back 
and we'll 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 say to the the label like I dare you to let us make this, <laughs> and if they actually let us make it, then we'll have to go make it. And so we did that. We put that online instantly, a viral hit. And so we got the viral hit, we got the Sundance stamp of approval, and suddenly making the Farting Corpse movie made a lot of sense to you know certain investors. Uh, obviously, we still scared away a lot of people, but it, yeah, it, we, we and, were really lucky. No, it's it's it was the right place, right time, right product. And also, the thing is, and a lot of people might not see this in your films, but there's so much emotion in the characters. There's like you know everything everywhere. You're, you know, you're tearing up. You're like it's, it's yeah, yeah. They're hot dog fingers, but <laughs> there's so much emotion behind what's going on. Same thing with Swiss Army Man. Like you'll tear up watching that mm-hmm. film. So it's not just insanity for insanity or gag for gag's sake. You know, there's there's heart behind it, and that's what stick makes you because. You know, I can't say anybody can come up with the farting corpse idea, but <laughs> in the wrong hands, it's a movie about a farting corpse. Totally. But yeah. And what you guys did, you elevated it. And that's because what Sundance saw in your work. You're like, oh, there's more here than just the gag. The mm, gag yeah. is just super interesting. And <laughs> no one's ever <laughs> seen this before. And that's what's really beautiful about what you guys are doing. Um, now, totally. I have to add, thank you. Now, you guys, uh, you know, we all, as directors, we're all on the onset. And there's always that one day on set, if not every day, but always that one day specifically, the, the entire world is coming crashing down around you. The world is coming to an end. You're not going to make your day. You're going to lose the actor. The sun is gone. The camera fell in the lake. <laughs> what was that day for you on Swiss Army, man? And how did you overcome it? Uh, we probably have different answers for this, but I, I, yeah, you go first. Yeah. We shot so sorry man in like five weeks and a bunch of we had a bunch of travel days in there too so it wasn't even like five days of shooting per week mm-hmm. um and uh week four we did four night shoots in a row and it was like all the bear stuff and like uh and uh we just burned the candle at both ends and started going insane and I thought Every, I was everyone, at, everyone's getting sick yeah I thought I was like, at yeah. rock bottom at that point and then I got sick after that as we traveled up to Eureka with a small crew to get all the beautiful um, Redwood stuff. And so like on day one or two of wandering around the Redwoods uh, that morning, Quan like wanted to rewrite the scene again. We were constantly rewriting while shooting on that one, which is not a good idea. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so like, and he was like, we don't have time to rewrite it. Oh, well, but it's a bad scene. Let's go shoot it. And, and I was sick and sad and demoralized. And that was how we started our day. And then we went out into the woods and while shooting it, I just started feeling like I was going to pass out, like just, and like hopeless. And we were just, it was kind of a boring scene where the camera, we're just doing co- normal coverage, but it, and I was like, the movie's going to be a disaster. It's not going to work. That's not going to work. Dan hates it. I don't even know how to give notes on this scene. And I like walked away and walked up to my producer, Jonathan Wong. And I was like, I don't think I, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And he's like, what's up? <laughs> Apparently I said something like, I said something where he, he interpreted it as like, Daniel thinks he's going to die. <laughs> but I thought what I was saying was that I couldn't finish the movie, but I'm not sure what, if I was speaking English, I was like, I was you were like, gone. Pretty, you were gone. Yeah, I was like yeah. close to a mental breakdown. Uh, and that scene turned out great. It's great. <laughs> the writing was fine. 
and like in the edit we like our matt hannum edited it together and we watched it and we're like what the fuck it's good <laughs> that day was so sad i guess i don't have to direct i guess the key to directing is Just to walk uh, away is to walk away and get sad and then, it, <laughs> and then it'll turn out good but uh but yeah we did we learned a lot of lessons on that movie about how to manage morale you yeah. know and, mm-hmm. and and that that's a huge deal on a feature that like mm-hmm. it's not just about do you have a good idea and a good plan it's about like are you taking care of yourself are you taking uh, care of your crew are you taking mm-hmm. care of your crew and and we uh and we left that one being like whoo a lot of room for improvement you know like it got yeah too hard um my my quick story is uh, last day or sorry the last scene of the movie is everyone on the beach i'm sorry spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it there's a beach there's a beach everyone's on the beach um <laughs> there's, and... there's some there's some beans yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> um and then we uh, you know a small budget no lighting equipment nothing we just, literally we we had to wait for you know the 15 20 minutes of magic hour to shoot that yeah. entire scene and uh it was Radcliffe's birthday, I remember, and Radcliffe really wanted to lie down in the water, even though it was freezing cold. Like we we're like, Daniel, we have um, we have a dummy, and he's like, No, 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 I want to be here. I want to like, I think it's important for Paul to see me here to be part of this. And we're like, Okay, great. And so we 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 neurotically blocked it all out and tried to like come up with a plan to shoot that whole scene, which is like you know. 12 13 it feels like 12 setups right it's like everyone has their own spielberg um push in um on on like in the medium shot plus three or four wides plus like a couple of very specific shots between uh radcliffe and paul anyways it was a lot of shots and we had to do it in 15 minutes right. and so we literally we just an are, hour i think we i'd say we have an hour no i feel like we once by the time we started shooting it was like half an hour and we basically just didn't cut we went we basically we, we made the plan and uh larkin um was operating for the whole movie our dp and so he knew exactly like when uh where to move from each setup and so we'd be like okay we got it next setup. okay we got it next up okay we got it. next up okay now everyone all the actors get ready you're gonna shoot your one shot and we're just gonna do a couple takes back and forth and we'll move on to the next person and like i said i don't know how many times we cut but we really did like there was no time to slate you know we just went like okay now you're close up okay now you're close up now you're close up and then we missed uh the last final interaction between paul and um um and daniel um as the sun was setting we we cranked the i our 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 iso was cranked wide like like as high like, as looked possible real bad and larkin was just muttering we have to stop yeah have to stop. it was so grainy and like and we're like shit i think we might have lost uh we i don't know i don't know if we got our finale and and it was just like a really just scary feeling to mm-hmm. have just to be like we didn't nail the ending um and and you know we like like shannon was saying we were kind of already like burnt out um from the process of making this film so that that was definitely like a really, that was week two yeah that was yeah that was, was <laughs> of five yeah. yeah that was the end of week two yeah um so that was really scary and you know we ultimately f- f- uh finagled some some or was it week one because maybe on friday of, I, I sort of remember the schedule in my head but it was fast no, i remember yeah. us being like oh my god we just started and now we're shooting the ending yeah and we're um, exhausted and we're exhausted yeah. and like yeah i guess it's a short film we yeah so we're just learning a lot of the limits of of our you know of our budget versus our ambition but we've been i will say like you know i hear stories of, of film sets gone wrong mm-hmm. and i've and it makes me feel so lucky that like like it's uh, it's been hard and things have gone wrong but just because it's just because it was ambitious not because of like we've been so lucky that you know um 
we haven't worked with assholes and that like we've had good producers and that we've headed off a lot of the really disastrous types of things that can go wrong before you know we got to set yeah um and so we're yeah we're such lucky filmmakers that you know um that these are our horror that stories. these are our yeah, horror stories it's like i was tired and it was hard yeah you know it's not, it's not like coppola and apocalypse now you're not in the jungle for three years with a gun to your head you know so it's not no, you know exactly. like putting things into perspective yes exactly <laughs> exactly that's no those are no I, I feel both i feel both of those I, I love the best directing tip just walk away depressed and it'll come out fine <laughs> <laughs> weird i mean we did so, kind of think swiss army man there was a part a, a, a masochistic part of us that we're like we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show it's about a guy kind of losing his mind in the woods. Uh, I think that might happen to us while we do this, but maybe that'll make it an interesting movie. This yeah. will be our apocalypse now. You know? I was about to say, this is very apocalypse now of you yeah, guys. Exactly. Very, very method directing. It's very... Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't aspire to to do for that. Yeah. Now, I, like, I like having fun. So speaking of fun, I, I just was I had the pleasure of watching Everything Everywhere all at once. Uh, a couple a week ago, I think at this point, a week, a week and a half ago, I saw it. And as I'm sitting there watching it in the theater, um, I'm just looking at it and going, I'm so glad this is in existence. I'm so glad somebody put this out into our, our world, over our universe. And then hot dog fingers show up and I'm like, oh my God, I love this film. Um, mm-hmm. there's hot dog fingers. I have to ask, man, how in, it's, it's such a beautiful, and I, I joke, but it's such a beautifully done movie and, and I'm not smoking your butt again, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make that a thing, aren't we? Oh, no, no, that's, I promise you, there'll be some YouTube comments that's saying thing now. <laughs> smoking a butt. No, yeah. um, no, but in all honesty though, I'm watching it and it's, you know, Michelle Yeoza is a goddess, um, data from the Goonies. Yeah. Oh my God, what a powerhouse actor. I was not, yeah. I, when I saw yeah. him, I was like, oh, look, it's data from Goonies. Oh, he got work. Fantastic. You know, yeah. that's why that's what first thought. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. holy crap, he's really good. Yeah. And Don't then, underestimate data. Don't no, underestimate dude. Like <laughs> when I heard his voice, when I heard his voice for the first yeah. time, I'm like, oh, it's data. He's grown. Like, I just, I, cause I've seen the Goonie a thousand times. Of course. Uh, yeah. And then Jamie Lee Curtis and, and then just the whole cast of uh, that you put together. It is such a beautiful ballet of insanity mm-hmm. um, and emotion. It's, it's remarkable how, in, and I have to ask you the same question again, how in God's green earth did you guys come up with this idea? Yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, we could do a whole podcast one day about where ideas come from and how it's a mystery and what is the human brain and how does neuroscience work and right, the right. synthesis of the, the neurons firing that make us giggle. And then at what point do, do we then test that against the culture to see if it's something worth putting out there as opposed to just an inside joke and right. how much of that is like uh, intent and how much of that is pure luck or just like subconscious, you know, uh, ness. Right. And I right, think like, like, like we're, we're, we're all discovering that genius doesn't come from an individual. Ideas don't really come from individuals. We're all just conduits for this like bigger um, mimetic battle that's happening all around us. We're going to get philosophical with your very simple yeah, question. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, oh, no, I love it. I love it. So you're channeling. Uh-huh. You're channeling. We're channeling. From the ether. So. From the ether. From, it's all from the ether. And the I think the only thing that makes us different, and I think the thing that is our superpower, is we say, 
yes we say yes to the ideas yeah. that, that we haven't seen that sound unproducible yeah we We're say like, yes Ooh. to the to the bad ideas we say yes to the things that should not be made mostly because <laughs> the moment we tell ourselves oh this shouldn't be made we, we question that impulse like why not hold, hold on but Th- did it resonate is, with me this is interesting yeah oh if, if it sounds unproducible that means no one else is going to beat us to it <laughs> <laughs> there's also that there's uh, no competition there's no competition exactly yeah <laughs> There is like a, it, I was just thinking about the philosophy of ideas and there's, there's this book Impro by Keith Johnstone. It's like an improv book that I read in acting school. Uh, and he has a chapter about creativity and about how, you know, uh, effortless it is for the human mind, but it's hard for a lot of people because it's trained out of us. Like our school system and our culture teaches mm-hmm. us how to curate and focus and ignore, you know, playful ideas, but that like, it's, uh, it's like, if you don't do that, like if you talk to like hunter gatherer cultures and stuff, like it's creativity is like effortless and it's everywhere. And, and that there's, and he loves, there's some anecdote about some, like um, it's like an Inuit tribe or something that like uh, one of those tribes that has, you know, 20 words for snow. And uh, they um, think that there is a sculpture inside of every rock that is, that, that is, that has to be discovered not that there's a sculptor who's really good at it. It's like, and they're like, so instead of being like Dan Kwan is a really good sculptor, the way that the tribe talks about it, apparently, is they're like, there's a lot of weird rocks around lately. Like what's with all the, all the rocks have some really interesting animals inside right. lately. And that I, I always thought it was such a beautiful counterpoint to how we normally talk about you know creativity what we're and, saying and, and, is... and, not, and not to spoil anything but you know there might be a rock or two in the middle. yeah <laughs> yeah they're pretty weird rocks yeah, yeah. But they're the rocks, pretty weird rocks. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah I, I feel like to sum it up i i feel like every idea we had in this movie a 10 year old could have come up as with you know mm-hmm. it's like it's it's all it's you know hot dog hands and and talking rocks it's like there's nothing special about any of this stuff it's just the fact that we no. We chased it, you know, and mm-hmm. I think I think we were like there's a, a, a sort of naivety there where mm-hmm. we like foolishly chase after these things. Or our real skill isn't yeah. coming up with weird ideas. It's convincing um, people to invest millions of dollars and to <laughs> risk their entire uh, artistic reputation. Um, oh, that's absolutely out those weird ideas. Yeah, you but, guys should do a master class on how to convince people to give you money to do insane ideas because you guys (laughs) are the masters at this because not once, but twice with two, like, again, the pitch, how is the, how do you pitch this? Like it's such a visual thing. And, and how do you attract the cast that you do? Like it's, that's the other thing. It's not like you guys are going off and doing it with some unknown actors. You're bringing some of the top actors around Mm -hmm. to do this. Like Michelle (laughs) Yeoh was Michelle Yeoh, how she has not been a lead in a movie outside of Hong Kong is beyond me. Like yeah, I yeah. could, I, when I heard that, I was like, really? really? I know really? we, we felt the same way. We were like, what? Yeah. We did not know that until I'm the like, press tour. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? She's, she's so, she said, she's a goddess. She's amazing what she does and how she, how she played this part was so beautifully. I mean, it's so beautifully directed and, 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 and everything. It's just, it's, it's just, an, it, I'm going back as I'm talking to you, the images are flying back into my head. Hot dog mm. fingers. I, I still have nightmares, by the way, about the hot dog <laughs> fingers. When I first saw them, I was, I was just like, why has no one ever done this before? And I go, I know why. It's disturbing as hell. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it is. No, but in a wonderful, beautiful way. It's like, oh my but, God. But you know, is that Jimmy point- Lee Curtis? Is that yeah, I know, right? Is that so with funny? hot cock fingers. 
Uh, but to our earlier point, like you say, why? How, how come no one has done this before? Ever since our movie has come out, it's only been about a month now, but yeah. people have been sharing um, past work that feel like somehow we ripped it off or whatever that we've never seen before. So like there's been two or three different instances where people have sent us um, hot dog finger scenes from other oh, movies I'm that sure. we've never I'm seen. I'm or sure. like, you know, there was a, a children's book. My friend sent me a children's book uh, where there were just two talking rocks on a hill. And I was like, this is amazing. You know, like it's all there. It's all in, in the ether. It's, it's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's how you cook it. You know, it's how you, it's how you make the stew. That's, that's what no, really no pun intended. No pun intended yeah. with the hot yeah. <laughs> No, no, look, I mean, it's not that, it's not that we haven't seen that before. I can't remember seeing it, but like you see like a movie, like uh, I forgot one of the spy kids had guys made of thumbs, you know, and like giant, yeah. You know, like it's not that, but the way you guys, the fingers and the way the movement and stuff was mm-hmm. just so and I don't want to make this a podcast about the hot up fingers, but it's just such a, <laughs> just an amazing visual. How did you guys do the quality of visual effects on such a low budget? Because this is, yeah. this is not a hundred million dollar Avengers. Well, a hundred million dollars is a catering budget for Avengers, but yeah. um, <laughs> how did you guys do such a, because the visual effects are remarkable. They really are. Wow. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, uh, you know, coming up in music videos, we did a lot of our own effects at first. And then, like I said, we learned But that a lot. was kind of our, our calling card. Like labels would reach out to us and be like, hey, do you have any cool visual effect ideas that are cheap? Right. Oh, because those guys who can do like, yeah. like tons of effects for no money because you just do them yourself. Uh, and that was our, our thing. And then we learned a lot about um, practical effects, mostly by working with Jason Kisvarde, our production designer. Um, and... Uh, and kind of brought all those and those tricks to this movie, um, and so a lot of it's like not that fancy, you know. And and while writing, we would write gags that we knew could play to our strengths. So we were very rarely writing things that were going to require like uh, a a huge VFX team to strategize and bring on three D generalists to design this to figure mm-hmm. that out, you know. And instead, we were like, oh no, no, it's it's all going to be practical. And when it's not, we know which tricks we're going to use and they're not too hard yeah. uh, to pull off. Um, yeah. We're using a lot of the same techniques that, you know, the filmmakers in the eighties were make, were using. It's the only difference is in the eighties or the twenties or even like 20, to bring up oh, yeah. Yeah. a trip to the moon, a trip to uh-huh. the moon, like just like the, the, the match cuts with the, with the poof of smoke. Like we're, we're just using those same exact techniques, except the difference now is um, we don't have to do 20 takes to get the practical effect, right? We can do one and a half, good takes uh, okay takes and then we fix it in post with 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 our very um you know rudimentary um skills as after effects artists and so we're kind of cheating every way we can um to make uh, the illusion uh of we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show of these effects work um, for as little effort and as little money as possible, which is why I think, you know, pe- people say like, people have been talking about the fact that we had about like five to 600 visual effects shots and it was done with a team of like five to seven people. We say seven because we're also including ourselves in that number. And there were a couple of people who came on for a few weeks, but yeah. the like core team was pretty small, like a really small the core team, team was of like our friends. Four people. And we yeah. all just like had synced hard drives and we would just like, we did it all in After Effects. Uh, and I think, some of it's very impressive what the guys pulled off, you know, and, and some of it was very ambitious, like the kind of bagel stuff. The bagel stuff, uh, yeah. But oh. then 
the other kind of secret weapon is that uh Quan has great aesthetic taste and 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 with a small team and it all being in after effects it was possible for like dan to push certain shots over the finish line and and instead of giving like 20 emails to try to refine it he could just be like great give me the project file open it up i'm going to spend an hour or two that's exactly how i want it to feel we're done um but like we right. didn't have to do all the effects but we also got to put our fingerprints on it um, right there's an right, efficiency, right. There. There's yeah, an efficiency there so um, nice because i think one of the reasons why so many um visual effects in movies look the same is because they they there's so many layers um of communication between the director and the visual effects artists now um that you kind of as a director you go into these post houses and you're not really allowed to play that much you're not allowed to explore and that's really frustrating as directors who love visual effects and so this was a, a way for us to be able to have our cake and eat it we can we can do it for less money and we get to have our fingerprints all over it and, and really play with the style of, of how it's going to feel. But people who are great at visual effects um, uh, would listen to your comment about our effects looking incredible. And they would be like, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah, Because <laughs> like, well, no, a lot of it's like real, real janky, but, real janky, but, but we think there's like a charm to it. And, and it's about energy, not about like pause the pause the frame that's a perfect shot you know kind of aesthetic. no i've been i've been a vfx producer a vfx supervisor on a lot of indie projects so i i mean i understand you're janky but it's perfect for what you're trying to do it's not yeah. it doesn't have to be thanos throwing a moon at somebody like yeah. that's not what that's about and that's why yeah. i'm like even on that budget level it still looks phenomenal and you're so caught up with the kinetic energy of the scenes I mean, the bagel stuff and all, I mean, you just get caught up with it. You just like, you're in wow. because if I'm looking at, oh, that, oh, that, that comp was just, they just sort of blurred that a little bit more. If they could have just comped that a little mm -hmm. bit better or thrown some, no, I wasn't there. I was in the story. So yeah. with that, I'm sure if I go back and analyze it, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys go back and analyze it. Like, dude, I did that on $200 million movies. I'm like, did that, how did that get through? Like, yeah. obviously see, that's a really bad, when my wife is looking at a movie and going, that's a bad green screen. And it's like a $200 million movie. I'm like, oh, they oh, screwed, no. up, if, <laughs> they screwed yeah. up if she figured it out. <laughs> so um, I have a few more, I have last couple questions to ask all my guests. What advice would you give a filmmaker trying to break into the business today? Uh, uh, adjust your goals, bro. Breaking in, uh, <laughs> breaking in shouldn't be your goal because a lot of people break in and then they're sad and they make the world a worse place and they make like upsetting, weird content and they. Uh, Are you, you talking know, about us? Talking about us, You're right? Uh, <laughs> well, look what happens but, when you follow your dreams, everybody. Look. Yeah. It turns out I'm cynical. This was all a front. This, this all these nice jokes. Fuck you, kids. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, that's amazing. No, I, I, I like to say that, like, um, if you love making movies, chase that feeling, find people that you love making movies with and, and, and maybe you'll end up getting paid to do it and, and, uh, find a niche in there and that'll be great. Or maybe not. And you'll still be happy and, and, and having the therapeutic, beautiful experience of making and sharing artwork, you know, um, and, uh, that, uh, Breaking in can sometimes uh, be the worst thing for you, you know, um, if you don't get to make what you love or with people that you love doing it with. Um, and so it'll happen if you just make stuff you love, uh, you know, you'll find your niche in the world, you know, and that niche might mean 
your local film festival. And that's dope. Awesome. You know, yeah. or it might be, uh, um, a 24 and that's cool too. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, and that's fine too. And then let's just give a shout out to a 24. Thank you for allowing and helping movies like this get put out into the world because there just really isn't, yeah. really isn't that there isn't another a 24, you know, there is, they're fighting the good fight, getting tricking people into watching provocative, <laughs> challenging things. Uh, right. It's, 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 so fant exciting. it's fantastic. Now, what is the lesson that took you guys the longest to learn, whether in the film industry or in life? Longest to learn. Hmm. I'm trying to think of lessons I'm still learning right now, maybe. Mm -hmm. Something I'm trying to figure out is um this balance of of um it's, it's more than work life because i think work life is like that's that's a given everyone has to tackle that um but it's like it's at, from a leadership position because you know again i never wanted to be a filmmaker i never wanted to be a director i never wanted to be a leader and so a lot of this feels like it's been put upon me in a way that like makes me very uncomfortable and i'm unsure of um but um the balance of of being a a leader who is also um who's just as um concerned with the final product as um the process is something i think i'll always be learning um and always um reflecting on um i think with this movie we got really close to a perfect process um in in, in that in the fact that like it's the most ambitious thing we've ever done it was is like foolishly um <laughs> foolishly ambitious for how much money and time we got for uh, to make it and yet it was the most fun the most loving the most um just gracious environment um and i, I like i i really i really think it was like <laughs> it was so much easier than swiss army man even though you know technically it, like it's 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 like exponentially harder in, in every way um mm -hmm. as, as far as production goes but because we went in with the the goal of creating a an environment that was just really fulfilling and um you know all pushed towards this idea of letting everyone who walked onto our set um be able to show off their best version of themselves mm -hmm. um you know that was like one of our goals was to empower people to just you know become the best version of themselves on our set and it it was so fulfilling and so fun and i have so many great memories of the shoot in a way that i can't say the same for our, our previous work and I, I think this is something i think we'll always be chasing after because if we can have it all if we can be uh ambitious and um you know creative directors who also just build and be beautiful environments for people to exist in and to create in like that that is going to be such a beautiful um a beautiful thing to prove to our industry you know mm -hmm. to myself and to our crew but also mm -hmm. to the rest of the industry that's a and beautiful still, that's yeah. a beautiful answer by the way that's a beautiful <laughs> answer that was a really wonderful answer and last question three of your favorite films of all time Oh, this is always hard. It's so hard. <laughs> I like giving different answers. You know, okay, you go first, or we'll say you say one. I'll say one. We'll go back. Uh, I love I love a crazy documentary. Uh, love American movie. The movie about oh, the Midwestern so boys trying to make oh, their movie. So not good. available for rent digitally anywhere for some reason. Really, got to figure this out. But oh my god, 
Um, oof. The first thing that my brain went to was Magnolia, probably. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's one I'll, I just keep returning back to because it's a movie that does everything wrong and uh, it feels so right and it doesn't matter, you know? Like, And I'm like, I wanted to be chasing that as a filmmaker for a long time, just that feeling um, that I got when I watched Magnolia for the first time. Uh, my brain just went to like uh, Moonlight is insane. It's just like the hype. It pays off. It's great. It's just so <laughs> beautiful. And like it was like at the right place at the right time where like our culture was trying to like quit being so homophobic. And like it was like, here's how like here, like empathize with this person. Like and it's just right. 100% successful. And it was like just like this like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. epically important thing for our culture and for me you know mm-hmm. to just like to fall in love with this love story and, and for it's it to beautiful. my heart yeah it's insane and for it to win best picture yeah and then for it to go win best picture and be like indie films alive yeah <laughs> um we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show I'll go back to one of my childhood favorites, which was, um, it's probably the movie I've seen more times than any other movie. It's Groundhog's Day. Um, Such, it's, it, that's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. It's, yeah, it's a masterpiece. And it, it became like a spiritual guide for this movie because it was a film about about nihilism, about the the, the treasury of, of, of existence. Um, but wrapped up in a really fun comedy and and they and the Mm. movie pulls off both those things wonderfully and i was like i want to do that with our movie whatever we do with this film it has to pull off both those things it has to be so much fun and so philosophical and 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 sincere and so yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) long answers only Mm. um princess mononoke oh Uh, i love that movie yeah just blew my mind when i was a kid and then i've been i've been thinking about it lately uh and just how like brilliant like the 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 ambiguity of good and evil is in that and how important mm-hmm. it was for me as a kid to like to chew on that you know when like we're usually fed these kind of like violence is the answer beat the bad guy stories like just go blow up their building um was like is the moral of you know a lot of you know action adventure movies and and it's like no this one's confusing it's about people with different interests and also you're going to fall in love with a little wolf girl uh, yes. slash, slash want to become her no it's very confusing and exciting for uh, me as a kid for, for my last answer i don't want to say this because it's so obvious but i, I have to say it just because I, I need to pay tribute to how much it, the movie means to me mm-hmm. um eternal sunshine of the spotless mind never heard of it <laughs> Um, never heard of it who's in it no i'm joking um <laughs> no that's i mean gondry is a master I, w- I wish he would be making more movies now i want him I, somebody please listen and give him a budget let him do whatever he wants uh oh, pair he, him back up with charlie he yeah, like him and he, charlie, he, wants, he, he yeah. spirals a little like i think i would if i didn't have dan he's, yeah it's he's, good to have a balance but yeah, like yeah. eternal sunshine is just <laughs> it, yeah it's it's the movie that like um that really, I feel like it changed me as a person and made me understand, yeah, my world, my the, my place in the world in a completely different way. It was, I think it was the first time I, I experienced um, metamodernism in the wild or this this idea of trying to get beyond postmodernism, like post-postmodernism. And it, it was so cathartic and healing for me to see that um, play out in a story for the first time. So it, that, yeah, it's incredible. And also it's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Like the filmmaking of it is just so much oh. fun. 
And obviously we, we stole so much from Gondry when we started making music videos. And even in our features, you can see his fingerprints in it as well. It's, it's all there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Guys, it has been an absolute pleasure and honor talking to you guys. So much fun. Uh, continued success. I, I tell everybody to please go watch everything everywhere all at once. It is, it is a, is a brilliant piece of cinema and I'm so glad it exists in the world. Thank you guys for doing you. Thank you for being a conduit for the insane uh, <laughs> that, and bring it into our universe, my friends. Thank you so much. Thank you for thank having you. us. This was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank the Daniels so much for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge bombs with the tribe today. Thank you so much, guys. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, including how to watch everything, everywhere, all at once, head over to the show notes at bulletproofscreenwriting.tv forward slash 194. And if you haven't already, please head over to screenwritingpodcast.com, subscribe, and leave a good review for the show. It truly helps us out a lot. And on a side note, guys, I just want to thank you all for listening and sharing this information that we have at Bulletproof Screenwriting because it has become one of, if not the biggest, screenwriting podcast on Apple and Spotify. I've been seeing the numbers, and it is so humbling that the show has grown so much over the last couple of years. It has grown faster than I ever expected it to. So humbly from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for all the support. Please continue to share this information. I want to help as many screenwriters and filmmakers out there as humanly possible. Thank you again so much for listening, guys. As always, keep on writing no matter what. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Screenwriting Podcast at BulletproofScreenwriting.tv. 